technology challenged Amy Frederick here <laughs> with another episode of Confessions of a Keyboardist with, um, is it Ben Avchi? Yeah, Avja, actually. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Avja. Oh my gosh, I should start this whole thing over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's very common. I'm so used to it. Actually, everybody in my family is, I'm sure, at this point. We get Avicii and Avchi. It's, it's Turkish. Um, and my full name's Benon Avja. And I don't know if you've seen my original projects, Benon. Yeah. So people often don't know that my first name is not Benjamin either. It's Benon. Yeah, Benon and Avja. Avja. Mm-hmm. Avja. That's it. And it's Turkish. That's right. And you know what? I already knew that because <laughs> I saw you play a Queen tribute show. Oh, yeah. And that was mentioned. Trooper Love, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what does he call me? Uh, Benoniman the Magnificent or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> that's that's Benoniman. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I I guess that's how I met you. Really, is mm-hmm. through tribute shows in, yep. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was probably the Loud Jam, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember what you were playing, but I think that I've heard you actually also sing on those mm-hmm. shows. There was a, I think that might have been the Jeff Beck night. Okay. If I remember correctly. All right. Whew, that was a hard night. That was a hard night. <laughs> I can't remember what I did. Bex Bolero. Uh, and, but, yeah, I've heard you do several. You're, you're multi-talented. In, oh, thank you. In many different ways, I have a feeling. Although, I don't know much, so let's just jump in. and Sure, yeah. You can, I have a feeling... Uh, you're about to educate me. Um, <laughs> we've already started talking before I hit the record button, y'all. And um, I already learned some things I didn't know. So this is going to be just a fantastic yeah, this conversation. Is fun. Thanks, thanks for having me because, uh, as I mentioned when I came in, like I've been reflecting a lot more than I normally do on past teachers and my musical background. And I'm sure a lot of people, not just musicians, are this way. We're thinking forward, thinking, like, what's the next gig? We always have the next songs we got to learn. We don't sit back and think, man, look at all the cool things I've done, the people that have helped me get here, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I've just really enjoyed about so far in my conversations. Mm-hmm. It's just um, putting it all the, put all the pieces together. Totally. How, how did yeah, you get it's great. Here? It was really neat listening to your first couple episodes and reflecting a little bit more in, in preparation for this. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, just jump in and tell me, um, where are you from? Uh, Chicago suburbs, uh, Darien, Illinois, southwest suburb. Uh, my mom's a piano teacher, so I started very young, um, probably four. You know, there's photos of me as a toddler sitting there tinkering around. And But, to be honest, I hated it <laughs> until I was good enough to do what I wanted to do. Oh, that's You cool. know, and learn stuff on my own. Yeah. So, which was about 12 years old, but... Yeah. I have memories of me like bawling at the piano because my mom's forcing me to play and now it's my livelihood and I love it so much. But. Oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, the, I have students who I think, you know, go through those phases too and mm-hmm. can't see, uh, you know, what it's going to end up being yeah. sometimes. Um, and also you reach plateaus sometimes totally. and they're really hard to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be certain books you're using that you really hate mm-hmm. and you can't seem to find your way to the next piece that you're going to love. Yeah, it, exactly. It can, it's a long... And then those songs that you did love, you're sick of. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of in this like in-between. It's like, 
I don't want to play the songs I know because I'm sick of them, but I don't know any other songs and I'm frustrated because I don't, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> wow. So you started when you're four and you've got, I think you told me before we started that your mom teaches at the house. Mm -hmm. So you're hearing all these different people play all totally. the same stuff, yep. maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, was she a piano major type of person? Music ed and okay. um, she accompanied the the choirs in the in the neighborhood and mm -hmm. um yeah she very musical uh i have three siblings we all played and we always we picked up another instrument too so i played trombone okay started on cornet and beginning band and then switched over to baritone and trombone but stuck with trombone all through high school and yes music was a big part of our family um not my dad my dad is not musical but obviously very supportive. Yeah? Yeah. Three siblings, so mm -hmm. I can really relate to that. Me too. Yeah. And are you uh, youngest, oldest, middle? I'm the middle, so I've got an older sister, and she's a professor at St. Rose University up in Albany, New York. She does musical wow. theater and uh, oh wow, uh, opera. So she was a voice major, got her doctorate in voice. Oh, my goodness. Um, That's incredible. Got her undergrad in, in music ed, too, but went on to get... Masters and doctorate in vocal performance. Wow, wow, wow. Married an opera singer. Oh, wow. So he's touring okay. around and doing auditions and playing regional, op you know, regional operas and everything. And okay. Younger brother and sister are twins. And Whoa. neither of them have stuck with music. My younger sister a little bit more so. Has, she has a piano at, the, at her apartment and likes to play and tinker around. But, and I'm going to have my brother. So one of our best friends growing up is getting married. And he's a drummer. He doesn't play much anymore, but I'm going to have him play drums with me at his, at his wedding reception in Chicago. Aww. Be a family band again. Sweet. <laughs> did you all play together a lot like, oh, growing yeah. up? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did. Unfortunately, I was kind of, we were kind of mean to the, my younger sister because <laughs> she picked up saxophone, which my older sister had already mastered a bit. And then she obviously played piano, which I was playing in the family band. And my sisters were sharing a sax at the time. Oh, no. So she kind of got, <laughs> didn't get included all the time in the, in the family band. But it, my brother played drum set. I was on keys and right. sister on sax. And we'd all sing. And, Aww. Yeah. I bet the blend is out of this world. Yeah, we always had a lot of fun. Especially my older sister and I singing, you know, doing um, like the prayer I'm yeah. sure that's a piece that you've accompanied and <laughs> yeah. things like that. Yeah, we always enjoyed harmonizing together. Oh, that's we still awesome. do it at Christmas time and sit around the piano and sing and play. Sure. Did she give you voice lessons? No, we had a, a private voice instructor that we, we all went to, Mrs. Oh. Mueller. She was very good. Um, she did Nats. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that program. I am. And my older sister actually just got an internship with Nats where she's going to be... Wow. You know, it's why a young up-and-comer in the Nats community, I guess. So. Yeah, good for her. What does mm -hmm. that stand for? I'm trying to think. Mm, uh, oh, my friends would be so, <laughs> they'd be so disappointed National in Association uh, of Teaching Singing, teaching I don't know. That's probably, <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. It's just a guess. Yeah. So, so you were taking um, piano lessons and mm -hmm. you, so was she your only piano teacher, your mother? Pretty much. I went to University of Illinois for choral ed. And try taking piano lessons, but by that point, I was performing at bars so much and trying to do classwork that I never... And I actually never practiced as a kid either, so 
but my mom forgave me, I think, a bit, and I got pretty good at sight reading <laughs> because of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, she was she didn't care for my lack of discipline. <laughs> my college uh, TA, private piano teacher, and. It didn't go very well. It didn't last very long. <laughs> in college, you in mean. college, okay. Yeah. But your mom uh, really—it must. It sounds like she must have really supported your dreams. Oh yeah, totally. Well, she she's the reason I did music. If if she hadn't like forced me, and I think it got to a point where I wanted to, but was still trying not to admit it. Um, she would like get me ice cream. She's like, it was an easy bribe. I'll get him a cone of ice cream, and he did this musical theater summer camp. Oh, my I was like, my mom bribed me, you know, probably telling my my soccer buddies, like, yeah, you know, my mom made me do it. But, <laughs> right? But I think I really secretly like doing it. Because <laughs> now I love singing musical theater songs. And yeah. <laughs> Which, um, can you remember some of the plays that you were in? Yeah, early on when I was a kid, um, before even middle school and high school, it was like uh, Cinderella and that's the only one I can really remember. But then in junior high, we did Once Upon This Island, did a musical review. I was in high school, I was in um, Once Upon This Mattress and Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wow. A lot of fun shows. Okay, so they sort of um, inclined toward rock and roll too. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would say that would probably be influential in, in shaping who you are sure, and the kind yeah. of music you like to play. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, so you you mentioned that you had asked your mom before we started about yeah. what kind of books you used. And yeah, like she, she used Faber with me. Okay. And I, I don't know that she's still using Faber, but um, yeah. it was like those... My favorites were like the rock and roll hits and mm -hmm. the big time hits, you know, Rock and Pneumonia and the Boogie Woogie Flu and yeah. Rock and Robin. And oh yeah, I remember those well. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my students are playing stuff like that. And too. Disney. I remember really liking the, the Disney catalog that she had. Okay. Of sheet music. Was she um, hard-nosed on pricing your scales and things like yeah, that? Yeah, we did the... Jeez, I can't even remember now. It's the, those, the scale book that starts with an H. Um, Hannon? Yeah, the Hannon scales. Okay. Does that sound right? Yeah. Things like that. So, and I had good good music teachers all around, not just my mother, but like my choir, all my choir directors and private trombone and voice teacher. And mm, Okay. So, you, so you, she had some other people putting in input so you would totally. know that she wasn't, um, that she was being professional with mm -hmm, you. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I think it might be kind of hard. I, I would just guess it would be hard for your mom to say, get in there and practice. And, and yeah, she's always... Yeah, what do you know, mom? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, I could be a brat, I'm sure. But no, I, I, she she pushed me. I had a lot of really good teachers that, that kept me going and working and gave me a lot to to think about. Right. Uh, did she work on theory and ear mm -hmm. training and? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she does it quite a bit. Like she'd even get she even gets her piano students to conduct a little bit. Oh wow! So that they can understand if they were ever doing an ensemble. Wow. So they could kind of get an understanding of oh my goodness some of the ensemble stuff. Too. She sounds like an amazing teacher. Yeah, she really is. She, she really does. Yeah, and as I've gotten older and became a teacher myself, I realized how good she was at getting kids to understand. Yeah, right. Some of the, the theory and all of it. Right. A lot of piano players uh, don't have ensemble experience, and yep. so they their counting can be a little bit fishy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Um, and they they you know don't. 
they're not uh, accustomed to people relying on them to be. Yeah, she uh, does duets a okay. lot of times. Yeah, you know things like that to help with all that as well. Right, that is really important. I yeah. love duets. Um, just had a student who played the entire Debussy's Petite Suite. Wow, she's advanced. Yeah, you know, but oh man, we had so much fun doing <laughs> That's that. That's awesome. We just took an entire semester and did it. Uh huh. And performed the whole thing. That's great. At recitals. Yeah, like seventeen minutes long. Wow. It was wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we were just thrilled, both of us, I think, <laughs> um, to, to experience that. There's nothing like just yeah, playing Because, yeah, how often do you get to do that? I don't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, That's it's, great. I love to have partnerships with my yeah. students like that. It sounds like your mom, like, would she write arrangements for you of the stuff that you wanted to play? Or how did you get to, how did you, I guess my question is, so there's classical piano, you know, it has a very strict regimen. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it can be really hard to cross over into the rock and roll world. Yeah, world from that, that was, I, I um, credit a lot of my friends for that. Because, and I still, st- one of my buddies still, like, for Christmas or my birthday will buy me, like, he bought me that new Beck songbook. Like, Beck put out an album, and it was just sheet music. Yeah. And wanted to hear uh, people's interpretations of it. But he did, like, old school, like, the artwork was really important on the front of the sheet. It was a pretty neat project, and my buddy Scott bought it for me, and Scott's kind of, and Tim and all these other guys were the ones that would be like, you gotta listen to Ben Folds, you gotta listen to Ben Queller. Um... And I'd learned Billy Joel's Piano Man and was singing that in my friends, on my friends' pianos early on, like middle school and everything like that. And yeah, and, and eventually I think it was probably like the high school jazz combo that helped me get a branch into improvising and changing keys and reading chord symbols and all that. Yes. A good teacher for that? Yeah, he was a good band director. Um... But it was a lot, and it, but that was a lot of also again my peers, you know, people that had already been kind of going after it, the guitar players, the joint. That was my, you know, in high school is when I started playing with guitar players, and guitar players were far more advanced in that area, rock and roll and reading charts and. Yes, isn't that like the that. truth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they. That's the approach, yeah. really, pe- pedagogically. Exactly. A lot of times, yeah. they start when um, they pick up a guitar and start learning chords. Just, let's learn a song. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've seen there's a guy who's a really good guitar teacher. At the art center where I teach, and he, but it, you know the the kids come in and he's like, "What song you want to learn today?" Yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then they just jump right in and start working on it. And I, when I was a choir teacher, I actually tried doing some days like that, where I'd be like, "Look, you guys are all singers. You can sing whatever you want. Especially nowadays, you can go on YouTube and find a karaoke track for just about anything." Mm-hmm. And so I would do that. I'd have days where I'd be like, "All right, what are we singing today? Let's pull it up on YouTube." Yeah. And this is what you can do at home when when you want to be musical. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, it, I think I, I that that came a lot from working with guitar players and starting playing in bands and rock bands and things like that. Right. You mentioned that you play trombone. Mm-hmm. Um, marching band. Marching band. All the way through twelfth grade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with the with the football team, and we were competing. We weren't very good, but we were trying. <laughs> right? Yeah, I loved marching band too. Oh, it was, I was so fun. Played flute in marching band. Okay, yeah. And was field commander for a couple of years. Yeah, that's you. what you. You and Rachel both were said you were yeah. uh, drum majors, right? Right, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but you get so much good experience reading oh, while yeah. playing in band, and I think that for a lot of us, like um, commercial musicians, we do have band backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We like playing with others. Yeah, it totally. It seems. Yes. That that's yeah, a, absolutely do. Yeah, it's a real familiar strand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something, I like doing solo stuff, but there's something about playing in an ensemble, 
especially when you're you're rehearsed and you have it figured out and you know it sounds good and you're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Something very powerful about that. Yeah, and just the fact that you're mentioning having these friends who are suggesting music to you and, mm-hmm. and sort of those those kinds of bandmates are they're really they've been critical in my development. Absolutely, in different yeah. stages of my life, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. I'll run into some musicians that suddenly uh, just take my life down a different, unexpected but really great path. Yeah, totally. Exposing me to something. Yeah, it's and not even just musicians, just people in general. But I think it's just you got to have an open mind about music, and I think people that that have varied musical pasts are pretty open to all kinds of having eclectic taste in music. Like, I love it all. Yes, me yeah. too. And I'll play anything. I'll try it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly, you know, saw that when you were doing the Queen tribute show. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was intense. Some tough stuff. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> but fun, super fun. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows I've done here in town was that Queen tribute show. Yeah, do you want to you describe what that was like? Well, I'm in this group, uh, MIPS, and it, uh, for a couple of years I've been playing with them. And every now and then I'll have to take a month off. They'll sub in another keys player, things like that. But um, MIPS. MIPS, yeah. M-I-P-S. That's right. What does it stand for? It was, well, when, the, when Tripper and Justin started it, I think they were playing on Monday nights. Yeah. And it was Mondays in perpetuity. Oh, okay. And then it's plural. <laughs> uh, it just happens to be, I guess. Um, but they kept the name MIPS. When it, we moved to the Sutler, we were playing... Uh, two Tuesdays a month, and every month picked a new theme. Uh, we did a Queen month like two years ago, and now with the no, new movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, Absolutely. we dusted it off and brought it back out. And, yeah. Uh, Grimey's had us at Basement East, and it went really well. They had us do an encore, and actually they, they've tried to get us to do another one, but we're trying to get back to our ways of learning 25 new songs every month, putting on a new theme, um, oh it's just, goodness. it's fun. It's a lot. Uh, Tripper charts them all out for me though. And everybody, and I yeah. have to chase down sounds and chase down signature licks and all that stuff. But yeah. we always have our charts in front of us and it's just a good deal of fun. That's superb. Um, do you, you guys have a rehearsal? One rehearsal before the show. That's great. Yeah. So the pressure's really on. Totally. So listen folks, he just said one rehearsal for 25 songs. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to take note <laughs> that uh, that is... I mean, that that requires a lot of personal work before that. You know, like, you basically have to go into that rehearsal show ready. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you basically work out some of the kinks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that everybody just realize how much work that is on your own. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very self-driven to be totally. in this career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. And a lot of times, like, and sometimes you don't even, you, the rehearsal doesn't work out. Not everyone can make it. You know, I've done shows where I, you know, people will send me songs and, and then I show up for the gig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I guess in Nashville, probably people are understanding if you get another gig and you, you need to make money. And yeah. So you can't make a rehearsal. And right. As long as they know who you are and they know your work mm-hmm. ethic, sometimes mm-hmm. that's the way it goes. Um, you guys all played really well together that night. Oh, thanks. Bass player was great. Drummer mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. Tripper was great. I mean, and the guitar player was great. Yeah, it's a good group. And then you had like two extra guys sitting in with you. Chris uh-huh. Nix. Yeah. And I can't remember who the other uh, person was. Tim Galloway. Yes. Yeah, they hopped on yes. for three or four songs. Yeah. And did the... Um, the um, Some of the big Triple ones. chorus. Yes. Guitar. Yes. Stuff that the Guitar Brian mini. Made us. 
<laughs> guitar mini. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But yeah, it was, what, what a good show. It was that such was. a fun show. Yeah, I think that was like 27 or 8 Queen songs. Jeez. And, uh, really hard. Yeah, it, it was a lot. Um, a lot of it was working on the vocals because we were trying to do all the, the record harmonies with only three vocalists. Um, Crazy. So we were missing some parts here and there, obviously, but we would have a few. We actually had an extra vocal rehearsal in addition to the one main rehearsal, too. I can so. see that. Yeah. And you sang a little bit of lead, too. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and did a great job on oh, that, thanks. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I skipped so far ahead, but I just couldn't That's help crazy. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited about that show. Because <laughs> I was actually off that night. I'm usually not. And I got to, you know, I was just really happy that I got to go hear that. Yeah, thank you for coming. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a fun show. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back in time a little bit. So okay. you you graduate high school and you go to school and you said Coral Ed. Mm -hmm. So golly, you were taking private voice and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. Is that that's classical? I wasn't bass. I wasn't good at that either. I stuck with this TA that was very understanding of the fact that because by in college I was performing by my senior year five six nights a week in bars at frat parties at fundraisers at the student union like all over campus and actually did a lot of damage to my voice. Uh, years later, I had vocal surgery, I had a polyp, and I can remember playing at a barbecue outside a frat house, losing my voice completely. Not like, it's a little hoarse, like it. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's bleeding, and it's not making a single peep. Oh my gosh. So I hemorrhaged my vocal cord, I didn't let it heal fully, polyp formed, and I continued for years and years performing oh. with just constantly being hoarse and not having all my full range. And oh man. Got to a point where I finally... So be careful with your instrument. <laughs> yes. Um, you're not Superman, you know? Right. Um, I didn't take care of myself for sure, but I was constantly losing my voice in college. And my voice teacher would be like, all right, I guess we'll just talk about the history of the piece today because you can't sing. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure it was frustrating for them. <laughs> right? It's, well, it's hard to make a choice sometimes when, yeah. you, could do either, when you go either route. Uh -huh. If you can do the classical thing. Yeah. Uh, I certainly have a lot of friends who've done that and, and have great respect for them. And uh, then there's the the uh, always the constant pull to play rock and roll mm -hmm. that's always been there for me. Totally. Or other cool mm -hmm. genres. Yeah. Um, so you have to make a decision, basically. Yeah. Are you yeah. playing with one band all this time, or different bands? Or? Yeah, mostly the same band in college. What's the name of it? Um, well, <laughs> it was Ben and Zach. It was just me and a drummer for the most part. Oh wow. Piano and drums, and we both sang, and then we had it. Brian Choi on bass guitar, and uh, then it became Ben and Zach featuring Brian Choi, <laughs> and it was like we didn't really have a name. We just one day showed up, went up to this bar, and we're like, uh, "Can we play here?" And <laughs> we don't really—it's just Ben and Zach, and it turned into a pretty regular thing. We were playing multiple bars, multiple venues, and then Zach graduated, and um, so we had a different drummer who's now here in Nashville, Mike Plum, and. Uh, we became the Geo's Trio, so it was always kind of the same core. We were changing names for a little bit. We were Navi uh, because Brian Choi on one of our road trips uh, came up with the idea that he was Navi, the robotic navigator, and had this robotic <laughs> voice, okay. Navi the navigator, and that's just we for a little while we became Navi. It was just the same group of guys, but we were just 
bopping around campus, University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, just bopping around playing shows. Okay, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I've been through there. But I still was a pretty good student, I think, for the most part. Got good grades and ended up getting a pretty good uh, job out of college, teaching high school choir. Okay, wow. So that's quite the change. Are you still playing gigs and teaching high school choir? Yeah, out of college, I was at Maine East High School first for a couple years up in Chicago suburbs. Teaching high school choir and actually group guitar, and I didn't really play guitar, but I, you know, that's how I filled out my schedule was teaching some group guitar class. I had students way better than me at guitar <laughs> that had been playing since they were kids, uh, but I was still teaching them theory, you know, and I had other ways of teaching them some things, but... Sure. Um, in and, other words, music is a big thing. Oh, totally. It's so big. Yeah. That um, if you don't even know how to teach that instrument, you can, there's plenty of other exactly, things yeah. that can help them. Yeah. 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 There's there, everyone always has something to learn. Yes. For sure. Um, but yeah, I was still performing while teaching uh, piano bars, and I joined a band called Hemmingbirds, and and the drummer that I played with in college had, and some of our our college buddies had formed this original music band, and we ended up doing some some of my like at at that time like I was super jacked about some of the gigs we were getting playing big venues in Chicago, playing Taste of Chicago. Um, is that a television program or something? Taste of or? Chicago <laughs> is a food festival Oh. Um, in Chicago where oh. everyone sets up booths and it was so mm. we had a big outdoor stage, you know, street street fair. Nice. But in one of the Chicago's biggest street fairs. and Yeah. So I, was, I mean, I was very excited about some of the, the gigs we were getting with that group and all the while I was teaching kids... Uh, Choral music, putting on concerts. Yeah. I ended up moving to Maine West. So I actually did two years, and sadly my position was cut to part-time. Oh. Um, being a non-tenured teacher. Oh. They had a lot of music teachers in the district. Um, and I ended up leaving and getting a job with Howl the Moon Dueling Pianos at that point. Okay. Okay. And then while at Howl the Moon, the same school district asked me to come back for a maternity leave. <laughs> so I taught at Maine West for a year, and that, that choral director didn't return, so I taught a second year there. But at that at that point, I was like, I really enjoyed performing at Hall at the Moon and performing, and that's when I decided to move to Nashville. Okay. So I did two years of teaching high school, doing pianos, two years of teaching high school, and then moved here to Nashville. Okay. And did Hall at the Moon uh, bring you here? No, or? it was... There's, so there's not really a Hall at the Moon in Nashville? No, no. And, and, and actually, I came here hoping to try some other things other than dueling pianos. And I actually okay. got back into dueling pianos, and I'm doing it a lot more now. Um, but yeah, when I came to town, I was trying to be a sideman, um, hit up the Broadway bars, mm-hmm. and played a lot of Broadway gigs. Okay, explain sideman to anyone who doesn't understand what that term means. Uh, just not, you're not the lead singer. You're a supporting act, supporting member of the band. Um, and... Singing harmonies for people that sing harmonies, but mostly being a sideman that you're playing your instrument, supporting the song, playing solos when it's asked of you. But a lot, you don't really, yeah, you're just you're a member of of the act. A team player. Team player, totally. And a complete pro. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> no ego involved. Yes. Yeah. The, exactly. The ego is for the music yes. and for it to be performed well and mm-hmm. let everyone play together and. I mean, that's the ideal side man. <laughs> right. Not necessarily every side man. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, can you juggle while you 
play the harmonica. Whatever, with, whatever it needs, whatever this song needs, I'll do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you moved here. What year? Oh, uh, two thousand. Shoot. Uh, it's. I've been here five years. So twenty thirteen, twenty twelve. Yeah. All right, and then start hitting up the bars on Broadway. You say so. A lot of the um, well, t- t- explain what those are like. Uh, the the great thing about Broadway in Nashville is there are, there's live music on every floor of every bar, and there's a lot of bars on that Broadway strip. And uh, the unique thing is everyone in Nashville is kind of a hired like individual musician and hired gun is is what a lot of times people refer to them as and but the, you you play with different groups there are some dedicated groups that constantly play together but for the most part you just singers will get a gig or someone in the band will get a gig and they'll pick and choose musicians whoever's available people that they've worked with before or people that they've got good recommendation for and you just kind of piece together a band of all the talent from the talented pool that we have here in Nashville Right. And sometimes you someone will send out a song list. Um, for the most part, people would send out their song list. The singers would send out what songs they do. Right. And you make sure you can cover those. And it's a four-hour set, uh, which is long, without breaks. Right. For the most part. <laughs> and some guys on Broadway, and I did this when I first came to town, was you know doing doubles and triples where you're playing eight, 12 hours. Yeah. Oh, gosh. On those strips, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of that life. And there are some gigs where you make good money, some gigs that you don't. And yeah. It just depends on the crowd, depends on if the bars values you and you got to, you know, what kind of time slot you got and things like that. So Right. It's I know, a very unique environment for a musician. Yeah. I know like um, when there's a hockey game or a concert mm-hmm. or other things going on that can really uh, feed the fire oh absolutely the flame there yeah help the musicians the local musicians do real well too and it's like you know people have figured out ways of of collecting tips having somebody walk around with a tip jar um there's gimmicks you can do to encourage people to to help you out and um (laughs) (laughs) it's not maybe in a way it's you know it kind of feels like you're swindling a little bit but but people do really genuinely want to support musicians mm-hmm. and they know in this town that that's what they're doing they're coming to see yeah some of the talented musicians in Nashville and they absolutely absolutely genuinely wanted to help help out and right. financially yeah and don't know how to yeah. maybe to um, to approach that they don't want to be insulting but mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's a big part of the tourist experience here, I Absolutely think. Absolutely is, yeah. To try to meet new and upcoming musicians. Mm-hmm. It's exci- exciting. Because a lot of the big country acts uh, have used to play those bars. Mm-hmm. And sometimes still do. Yeah. Bop in there and and do a few numbers. For... Have, has that ever happened to you? You've, you're, you're at a gig and somebody bops mm-hmm. in that you're just like, oh um... my gosh. <laughs> Not really. I can think of one time at Hall of the Moon when I was working in Indianapolis at the Hall of the Moon there. <clears throat> uh, Brett Michaels' band came in. Brett Michaels didn't come in, but his band came in. And like one of the the crew members sang a Poison song or something like that. He was not very good, but the rest of the band killed <laughs> playing a Poison song. Yeah, because they uh, played it and, all the time. I yeah, guess. exactly. And it was so it was fun, you know. Uh, 
but no, I don't think I have had a, an opportunity in, in Nashville where somebody came in and hopped on stage. The, right. all the videos that I see are always pretty fun and everyone's super excited in the, in the crowd. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The video that I remember, oddly enough, is the guy, the poor guy that fell out the window. Oh, yeah. You remember the that? The drummer? Yeah. Fell backwards out. Yeah, a lot of those stages are set up that way. Was that Tootsie's? I don't remember. I, yeah. He fell Might backward into the glass pane window and just fell out and into the, the street. And the glass broke, right? Yes. And it fell out, yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> but he's fine, y'all. Yeah, yeah he was. He yeah. was I absolutely think he, fine. Someone posted that he got up and not only to play finish that gig, but played another four-hour set after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um have you experienced? Have you like? Have you ever experienced something like that? Like, have has anyone ever knocked your keyboard off or anything oh, crazy? Oh boy, in college, some <laughs> like the one bar that I played every Thursday night, like <laughs> Rain or Shine, was Giovanni's, and we just basically it was a bar the size of this room almost. Like it was a, you know, not a very big bar, nothing like the Broadway bars in Nashville. It was like you'd go downstairs. And you'd be in like a 20 by 20 room and we'd cram it like a pack of sardines and I, we were just on the floor in the corner. So constantly people were spilling on my keyboard. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. my first keyboard, that keyboard was a Casio Privia. So it wasn't terribly expensive, a couple hundred bucks. Okay. That's and good it, to know. It, was, it, it withstood <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people spilling, a lot of people knocking it over. Yeah. It would, it would get kind of messy. Yeah, <laughs> and some of those early gigs. What are um, I'm glad you mentioned that. So what what are some of the keyboards you've been through in your journey as through this? Uh, that was my first one was the Casio Privia, and then I got a Roland Juno D because I wanted something smaller. The Privia was a full, and I'm not a fan of those. I don't know. I haven't tried the Privias lately, but the the weighted keys on that old Privia, it was very clunky. Okay, um, kind of distracting. Tired, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I took some getting used to. Um, yeah. So then I went the opposite direction. I was like, I don't like how these keyboard weighted keys. I obviously didn't try any of the high end keyboards I was, at that time. I was getting some of the lower end. So I got the Roland Juno non weighted keys, and then eventually, once I had that job out of college where I was making good money, I got myself my my first Nord. Yeah. The Nord Stage EX, and this was early when Nord was first. Uh, they were first selling in the States. Um, first generation Nord Stage. Still use it today. Love that board. It's, yeah. And now I've got um, a Korg Chrome uh, keyboard. I've got a couple Yamahas, like the uh, a small MOX. And I've got two Yamaha digital pianos for the dueling piano stuff. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. Got a lot of, I've got way too many keyboards. No, no. <laughs> no, you don't. I think my wife would agree with me, but I agree with you. I think there's never... And now I just recently bought a little Korg, Micro Korg um, synthesizer and vocoder, which I'm digging into these days and I'm loving it. Yeah, we just started just started talking yeah. about that right before we, I turned the microphone on. <laughs> I could not get the microphone on fast enough, basically, because I wanted to catch all the good stuff you were telling me. Um, what what is you you were saying that you wrote a song to start yeah, using I it just, to learn how to use I it? I just bought the the uh, microcorg like a month ago, and my buddy who does dueling pianos with me a lot of times. I'll go up to Indianapolis quite a bit 
um, and play at a like, piano bar up there. And he comes out from Columbus, Ohio, plays the same piano bar. So I went out and he's got a really nice little home studio. And actually I bought the microcorg knowing I was going to his house and had it shipped to his house. Didn't even have it shipped to mine because I knew I was going to get there and want to play with it. So Sweet. We just kind of dug in and it's like a very synth heavy song with the chorus hook being sung in a vocoder and I took like a five minute synth solo. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, well, we were just having a ball with it. Man, I'm, I'll have to ask you to send me that file and we'll put it sure, in the, totally. this program yeah. somewhere uh, if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know you said the name of it was... That's, joyful, I yeah. That's cool. Yeah, just, I want to be joyful. <laughs> yeah. And if that inspires joy, so help me, that's a great purchase. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I um, can't wait to hear it. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like you have a person who you do dueling piano gigs with. Yeah, I, well, I've been working at this place called Brick House up in Indianapolis. Even So I was uh, out with a uh, country singer here in Nashville, and even while I was out with him on my off weekends, I'd go up to Indianapolis because some of my former co-workers from Howl at the Moon got opened up this new bar in, in Broad Ripple, north of downtown Indianapolis. And they hit me up on Facebook, and they said, if you ever want to play here, you know. So early on, when they first opened that bar, I started playing there, and I've been playing there ever since free weekends a couple weekends a month mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's good to get perspective oh yeah I bet get out of a mm-hmm. business town yeah totally yeah I have a lot of fun up there I bet um, and, uh, and people ask me all the time why do I leave Nashville to play music up in, in uh, Indianapolis and one of the big reasons is it's super flexible up there um, I can text them okay can I have these dates and almost always they say yes whereas here in Nashville like you set up an established you know you establish yourself at this bar and the second you ask to have a weekend off they fill it with somebody else and you've lost that gig or Shoot. you know it's very it's it's not necessarily cutthroat but it's like it's there's a lot of a uh, lot of talent here yeah yeah and not as much demand yeah as there is up maybe elsewhere but right but I, I enjoy the flexibility and that's a big part of it um, and they obviously, I love the people up there now. They've got a lot of great friends up there that I've built good relationships with the bar and the people there. Yeah. Um, Is it easier to play a gig like that with someone you know and that you've played with before? Oh, yeah. I, I've done dueling gigs where I don't know the... Like, I just started playing with Rachel. We just recently had our first duel, our first uh, <laughs> gig together. Right. Um, but I, if, if you've done it long enough, it's all, everyone kind of has some of the similar gimmicks and the songs are always people are always requesting the same songs yeah there's, yeah there's obviously like the staples that yeah every cover band and every wedding band and every dueling pianist knows yep um but yeah you def- it's definitely nice to set up a rapport and know know the person you're opposite of right know their sense of humor mm-hmm. yes because you're, def- you're it's definitely interactive you're talking to your partner you're talking to the audience a lot when you're doing doing pianos, um, so it is nice to to know the person that you're working with. Right, I've just recently done my first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never done anything. What do you like think? That. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's I fun. mean, I could see how I could really um, grow mm-hmm. in a in a different kind of way. Totally. And, um, that's the beauty about music too, is that every gig kind of can take you just in a slightly different place mm-hmm. and grow you more if you let it. Absolutely. If you yeah. treat it like. A learning experience. And yeah. You, get everything you can out yeah, of it. Yeah. Go, go into it with an open mind, open heart. Um, 
Yeah, people can get kind of jaded in this industry. And <laughs> a lot of times it comes down to money. You know, people will say, oh, that's not enough money or you're not paying me enough to do this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but that for me, that's not why I'm even doing it. The money is like a side effect. And uh, the, the better I've gotten and the more I've grown, the better money I've made as a result without even having to even really try. Interesting. Um, I think just having, having a positive attitude. And I'm a yes man. I say yes to just about anything. If I can, if I'm available, I'd rather be playing piano and singing than watching TV yeah. or you know, sitting around or doing anything else. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, what is your practice routine like? I mean, so for me lately, I'm, the reason I'm asking this is I've noticed that, you know, I really need to practice because mm-hmm. I'm playing gigs a lot and that's really not practicing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the, there's that. The fact that I'm playing so much, I don't practice as much as I'd like to. And then there's the fact that I'm learning so many songs. I'm not focusing on technique or expanding my, my theory of knowledge, like, um, Adrian, your second podcast interview, uh, talked about getting into modes and all these, uh, you know, things that I've always said I'm going to start digging into more, but I'm, I don't, I just don't have time for it. Or when I'm sitting there, I'm either writing or I'm learning songs, you know, charting songs or figuring out signature licks on songs that I have to learn, chasing down tones. Right for songs that have synth or other, you know, the right kind of Wurlitzer and the right effects. Right. Just matching everything. Yeah. You just listed, like, the the total, like, task. That was, like, the total (laughs) task list of a professional keyboard. (laughs) It really is, yeah. (laughs) It really was. Um, Learn the signature lick. So if you don't do it just like, you know, the record, Mm -hmm. it can really throw people off. Absolutely. It's It's just not quite pro. And, like, when you... When you think about it, like especially if you've once you start doing some recording, a lot of times those those licks are super important, and people discredit them sometimes. But and when you're in the studio, you'll go through multiple licks, and like finally someone will play and be like, "Oh, that's the one that makes me feel mm-hmm. the way I want it to feel." Right. And it was intentional. Right. And so to to not actually learn it the way that it was recorded isn't really is discrediting the song a little bit and taking away from the intent of the song and the people that worked hard on making it a hit yeah and it could be a big part of why it was a hit whether whether you really think about it or not yes yeah i love that you say it that way because it just it's that's just respect Mm -hmm. for uh the musicians who've come before us Mm -hmm. and and really just taking it all in context we're sort of historians absolutely um now I do also love when people take a cover and make it their own. Sure. That's that, but that's a different thing for me. It's like uh, that's a little bit going a little bit more in the artistic side of it. Like you can appreciate the lyrics, you can appreciate the feel, and then you how you can relate to it in a different way. Um, or then that's that's one way of approaching a cover, and then the other way is is really doing it honor and and learning it as best you can. Yes. In a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned recording. Let's talk a little bit about that. How much are you do? Do you like recording? I love recording. Do you have your own studio at home, or? I mean, I I record onto my Mac, and I'll fly out tracks that people. Um, right. 
So Logic or? Uh, Logic, and I was using Cubase for a while before that. Yeah. Um, and even GarageBand for a little bit before that. I mean, it was like just like it was. It was a process, but you can you can make anything sound sound good if you start buying the right tools and um, audio is audio. So. But the, obviously, if you can afford to start getting the nicer stuff, I want to get Pro Tools at some point, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I love Logic, and um, I like uh, going to other people's studios too, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's probably my top preference. Mm-hmm. But you say um, so. Explain what you just said because um, I, you know, I'm hoping my students will be very good students and listen to my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And they probably don't know, they don't have a clue of what you just meant. But maybe, you know what, they're so savvy that they probably do know, and I'm just... Well, when I, I think I said I, I, you can fly tracks to people. It's just basically emailing through Dropbox or other um, file-sharing websites where someone will record voice and maybe acoustic guitar. Or maybe they've got full full band on it, and they just want to add organ or something, and they'll give you the uh, WAV file, and you put it into your... Um, software, your uh, your DAW, your recording uh, software, and then you record over it, and you make sure that it's all matched up, the bit rate, and uh, all those other, you know. Uh, right. And then you send your, your WAV file of what you just played back to them, and they'll put it in the mix, and then you're on the record. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, things have changed a lot. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you said organ, so you play organ too? I started when I moved to town. It was like a requirement. Everyone <laughs> says that. I, I was talking to Dan Monaco the other night. Oh yeah, and he loved it. We grew up, We went to college together. Yeah. Yeah. He he mentioned that, and um, we were at the locals pro oh, blues yeah, jam. Yeah. And he said, I had to learn organ when I moved to town. Uh-huh. You know, and a lot of people have said yeah, that to just me. Pia- playing piano. Not even I wasn't even that great of a keyboardist as far as like tones and sounds and s- samples and it, just playing piano like all the yeah. the cover band stuff I just kept it on piano I never even really changed took it off the piano setting yeah because I just knew piano and that was what I did right um, so I I've grown so much since coming to Nashville it's crazy and I thought I. It's like I thought I had to figure it out. Obviously, I wouldn't have come here if I didn't. Right. And I'd had a lot figured out, but but boy, not 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 enough. I learned quite a bit quick. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was the pressure is um, intense that mm-hmm. you want to you want to come off really good every time you play. Yeah, you got to keep up, yeah. Because uh, there's five other really great keyboardists totally, in the room. <laughs> totally. Now saying that, it's not like it's not like uh, competitive in a way that like we're not taking out each other's ankles or uh, wrists <laughs> you know <laughs> hilarious uh, no but yeah you always it's it's almost out of respect like knowing that there's so much talent yes that you want to you want to be as good as you know it's it's yeah. inspiring yes. uh, I know a lot of people that musicians in other towns are like oh Nashville's too intimidating for me but I think once you're in the right mindset and you come here and you realize everyone wants the best for everyone else Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, all the talent should be inspiring yes. and should make you want to work harder and make you want to grow because, sure. and there's probably ways that, that I play that other people admire and then they're the same person. I look at their playing and I admire their playing for another totally different reason. Yes. Uh, like Rachel said, I just love this uh, quote from her episode. She just said, there's a gig for everyone. There truly oh, is a yeah. gig for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, if we can all learn from each other, it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, which is why this podcast is great. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to have to interview you at some point. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, you know, we'll have to make that happen. Yeah. Because, um, uh, but I, I just, I, yeah, I get to do reflecting on myself a whole lot by listening to mm-hmm. everybody else's stories. Yeah, that's but, how it was for me. But yeah, it's um, it, it has really, you know, kind of uh, brought me around several circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah, because it's like uh, at one point you guys were talking about, you know, the people, all the musicians that you've played with and the bonds you make. And then I started thinking going down that path of all the so many musicians that I've played with before moving to Nashville and all the musicians I met here in Nashville. And and really, you form a friendship with these people, especially especially when you start playing together for, say, years together. Yeah. And part of it's the fact that you are just around each other all the time but the other part of it is that you are making music together and, and you get so good at working together and yes. creating something together and under, knowing when that when the drum you know knowing the drummers fill and knowing when you're going to grow together and build up and break, drop down and all those those fun moments on stage yes it is a bonding experience mm-hmm. it's, it is it's hard to put into words. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's life in the form of a three-minute song uh-huh. sometimes uh, or a, f- a four-hour gig. Yeah. The, all Absolutely. the highs and lows yeah, and totally. in-betweens. And everybody's trying their hardest, you know, and their heart's yes. in it. Yes, yes. Those yeah. are the best mm-hmm. when everyone's... And there are there are obviously shows that can be a, a, a bummer. <sighs> You hate to say like uh, I don't know, but sometimes people get have a little too much to drink, and it ruins the night. Or um, someone in the audience is just a buzzkill. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. But but there are so many wonderful moments that keep us addicted <laughs> to what we do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Um, Wow. What's, what is, um, like, name a couple of peak experiences for you. Like, some of the best gigs you've ever had, if you can. I know that's, like, a yeah, no, I, Or if you can't think of one, like, what, well, you've already kind of touched on what makes a gig really great. I, I was out with Jared Neiman for a couple of years, and that was the, that's really the, the only big touring gig I've gotten here. But I just know, well, actually, one, probably the most emotional I've ever gotten on stage was... Um, and I might get emotional just talking about it. Uh, my mom was my piano teacher growing up, and I got this big touring gig where we're playing for thousands of people and playing country thunder in southern Wisconsin, just north of Chicago. So my parents and my sister come out to see me. It's the first time they're going to see me play for all these people. And I was expecting them to come up towards the front, so I'm playing, playing. They they came late because my mom finished teaching and rushed up there. They made it there just before our set, and I knew this was happening. And I just expected someone to let them in, and they'd, they'd get there in the front, and I'd see them up front, playing, 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 looking for them. There's VIP on stage, like right over my shoulder above me. And I turn my shoulder, and my mom's right there. And I, I had this thought immediately, like, my mom is seeing what I'm seeing. All of these people. And it was just an incredible moment where I was just, like, so thankful for my mom 
and so glad that she got to see yeah the fruits of her, her hard work and her making me yeah work hard on piano and what it what it turned into for me so oh that's just that is so great mm -hmm. and i was gonna say that is so much like a piano teacher to teach that last lesson before coming to, <laughs> <laughs> to, hear, to hear their son play before uh -huh. thousands and thousands of people yeah exactly because <laughs> Darn it, that kid was starting something last week that showed a lot of promise. And, and that kid's, I gotta finish up with that because I can't leave him hanging, you know? No, She's totally. probably thinking something like, oh, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, that was a great moment. That's really great. Um, yeah, there's just been playing the Grand Ole Opry for the first time. Oh, I bet. And I didn't even really fully grasp the, the history of it until I was there. Um, because I didn't grow up listening to much country and didn't have a vast knowledge in country music history, but I was schooled before the gig by my bandmates, and then when I got there, you can kind of get that sense when you're backstage, all the, the memorabilia and photos, and then going out on and playing that piano on that stage was... That was one of the most nerve-wracking gigs I've done recently. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, just the pressure of it. Pressure of it, yeah. Just knowing all the great people that have been on that stage. Okay. Yeah. And did you have like a very exposed part too, like a yeah, a ballad or something? That's yeah, real... we did a ballad that we've never that we'd never done before. Yeah. We did a cover, Keith Whitley cover. Oh wow, love um, Keith Whitley. So yeah, so you were probably and that piano. There's there, uh, what I can't remember the name of the song, but it's like very like uh, a lot of. Piano, like a stride piano almost stuff mm. going on in oh. there that I was trying to mimic a little bit. Yeah. And I was, that's not my style. But yeah. I, yeah. I worked hard on that one. Stride's hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a whole lot of left hand for yeah. those who might not understand. <laughs> yeah. And very rhythmically complicated. Mm -hmm. Lots of coordination yes. involved. And I didn't do it justice, but I did my best. <laughs> I, bet you sounded, I bet you sounded great. Whoever recorded uh, in the studio was phenomenal on that track, yeah. Oh, goodness. There's no talent. I'm trying to think who that might be. Uh, Gary Smith, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. He used to play for Dolly Parton. That is one thing that I'm terrible at, and I should work on it more, uh, is knowing musicians' names. Off records, the members of bands, uh, you know, people that on, on records that I know and love. I don't know the names of the the keyboard players, the piano players to play those parts. That takes a while, yeah. I think. And you know, we, kids don't know, understand how lucky they are now. Because we you used to have to look that up on album covers. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times it wouldn't say, you know. Yeah. But now Wikipedia. Yeah, I go down well, Wikipedia uh, rabbit holes all the time with that kind me of stuff. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. so, and they'll, they'll even like give descriptions of the sessions. When, oh you know, yeah, I love yeah. It was recorded at blah 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 blah. And, uh, Al Cooper didn't know how to turn a Hammond organ on <laughs> when he played on Bob Dylan's like a Rolling Stone. Oh, that's and that funny. Kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. And it is hard to turn a B three organ on sometimes. You don't know how. <laughs> Warm it up and all that other stuff. Yeah. Right. I need a refresher every time I get to a real one. I don't get to often play a real organ. Yeah. Well. You have to come up and sit in at my gig sometime. Oh, yeah. I've got one up there. Awesome. And um, now the local now has one, right? They do, and it's really nice. Yeah. Um, a guy is actually, he's letting them use it. I think his name is Mike Link. Do you know him? Mm -mm. I think it's his name. So I'm sorry if I got your name wrong, because <laughs> I just met you two nights ago. And, uh, but oh, So it's his organ that he's just housing there and letting yeah, people play. That's a super that's nice guy. Very generous, yeah. It, it really is, and it was fun to play there. Mm -hmm. And Papa Turney's has an A100, okay, which is in really there. good shape. Yeah. It's wonderful to play. It's, oh, it's just smooth. It's just wonderful. 
I uh, remember fr- when I first came to town, I was doing a lot of the blues jams and I, the Bourbon Street Boogie and Blues. They have And I actually, I had to have somebody show me, like, that was my first time playing a real organ. I was like, I don't... What are, what are all these black the opposite the black keys with the 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 white the black white keys and the white black keys I was like what are those and he's like yeah. those are tones that you can preset right and he showed me around a little bit so. nice guy yeah dude. yeah but it is a really different thing yeah it is um, there seems like there's one more place that has one BB um, King's has mm. one that I got I actually got to play that one and it's really nice too yeah. So they're around. Doing the soul vibes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, doing the Michael I've Jackson to, tribute. I've got to get into that soul vibes. Yeah. I, I get emails. It's just Sundays are always kind of tough if I'm leaving town for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I can be really tired on Sunday, too. Yeah. But usually it's so worth it. There's some really yeah. great players on yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, hmm. Okay. Golly, we're covering a whole lot of stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of feel like I want to just give you some flash questions. Like, um, <laughs> All right. I don't know if I can, let me see if I can round it up <laughs> to do, do something like that. Um, favorite style of music to play? If you if you can narrow it down. You said you like everything. Yeah, but like um, probably blues and, and rock. Um, yeah, stuff where I'm just hammering out blues scales. And going after it and improvising a little bit. Mm-hmm. Me too. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Those are, that's fun. So fun, yeah. Um, let's see. What about favorite electric keyboard? Hmm. I mean, I really love my Nord. It's just so flexible. But but lately I've been so in the synthesizers that I just want to... And I'm, I'm excited digging in my microcorg, but it's not as as easy to manipulate as I was hoping it would be. Whereas maybe a Moog or something like that with all all the knobs laid out. Because on the microcorg, it's like if you want to change this variable, you have to like choose. There's four knobs and you can choose what they, what they are uh, affecting. Mm. Whether it's the oscillators or okay. the, the tone or the, the pitch. And you have to like... So there's a lot of like... And then actually on the microcorg, there's like a chart that you have to read and be like, all right, if I if I have it set to tone, these are what those four wheels will do on tone. You hmm. have to find it on the chart. Whereas I would, I was, I'm hoping to eventually get a synth that's a little bit more, everything's laid out in front of you. I, right. I think we're a little spoiled as piano players. All of our notes are laid out right in front of us. Everything's laid out like it all. Yeah. Laid out simply right in front of me. And if it's, right. if it's more buttons, it's more buttons. But mm-hmm. Don't yeah. even have to tune. Yeah. You, know? you just yeah. turn it on, <laughs> go. <laughs> and that's the thing about organ, that it's so much more uh-huh. like playing guitar. Yeah. You're having to choose how you Tone sound. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me be more specific. Of uh, clavinet, Rhodes, mm. Wurlitzer, those things. I see what you're saying. Um, yes. What yes, would yes, you yes. choose for those? Uh, What's your favorite? It was Rhodes, and I had a Rhodes. I just sold it because I think I want a clavinet because I've been having a lot more fun playing funkier stuff. Yeah. But, boy, I love them all. I want all of them. Me too. Wurlitzer, Rhodes, clavinet. I Me love too. an organ. Me too. One day. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I <laughs> need a bigger house. But... <laughs> You're getting there, probably. (laughs) Just keep on gigging. Exactly. (laughs) Keep on improving. 
talked about practicing. Um, how, how do you learn all those 25 songs at once? What's, do you have a strategy for how you handle something? That's a mega task. It's a lot. Um, I saw that you had an iPad mm-hmm, on the Queen Always, Day. yeah. Man, that made me feel good to see that you were using that because, mm-hmm. I mean, I just feel like charts. For me, I want to do just, I want to I press myself to be perfect, as perfect mm-hmm, as possible. Yeah. And a chart just keeps me on track. Exactly. I can be more focused. Yeah. It's, I can understand why someone would want to, and I don't use charts on my original stuff, but that's only because I don't need it. That's really the only type of gig that I do now that I don't have an iPad or, or sometimes a binder in front of me. Um, because uh, I'd rather I look like a dork than, <laughs> than sound like one and mess up, you know? Yeah, um, I'm with you. And with I think you. the only people that are critical are other musicians. Um, and I don't care to, to be their, their friend if they're going to be a mean type of colleague of mine, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there are a lot of, there are people, judgmental people out there, obviously, but you just can't let them get to you. You got to do the best you can. I remember one of the first uh, loud jams I did, a bass player. He's now like associate director of bands at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. I'm so sorry again. <laughs> uh, but I do, I know. I know who he is. He's a really phenomenal bass player. And he brought his iPad. And we mm-hmm. uh, we had to play a Led Zeppelin song. No, 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 oh, no, wow. no. No, it was the... Um, we played a song by the keyboard player of Talking Heads. Okay. And it was really complicated rhythmically. Yeah, sure. And we locked in mm-hmm. because we both had charted that out and, you know, taking the time to really... Yeah. And um, so that's why I chart. Yeah. I, and, yeah, I... I first of all, I don't, I don't trust my memory. I don't trust mine either. Um, just not that kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and I but I also know that like having a chart there, I've gotten to the point where having a chart doesn't mean that I'm stiff and not musical. Um, yes. Which I think is why some people are have a negative connotation or idea of using charts because they just think. You're gonna be face on on the chart. You're not gonna interact with the fellow, your fellow musicians or the the audience. You're not gonna dig in musically. You're not gonna be listening. You're not you know not gonna feel. But it's really just there to help kind of guide and make sure you don't get off the track. Um, it does take some time and and conscious effort to to be musical and be listening and be interacting. Yes. Um, and every now and then you might fall, skip off the track a little bit, but you have that chart right there to get right back on. Yes. So let's say you got to learn 25 songs in four days. Mm-hmm. Does that ever happen to you? Y- yeah. <laughs> or do you get more notice than that usually? No, sometimes I give myself four days by procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yes. <laughs> so how do you go about it? What do you, what's your... One song at a time. Some songs end up being easier than I expect them to be. Some songs take me take a little bit longer, but yep. I because I'm singing harmonies, I can only focus on one thing at times, whether it's singing or playing. And then I typically start at my piano and don't worry about tone. Yeah. Um, right. And just figure out the notes, and then take on the chart that the singer give the tripper gives me. I take any other little notes sometimes. Sometimes it's uh, I pull out some manuscript and I write a lick down and then I tape it onto the chart. I do the same thing. Um, sometimes yeah. it's just I use little numbers and yeah. I continue with because he does it in the Nashville number system and I yeah. will continue with numbers and be like, all right, 
make sure you're playing these notes and I'll use the numbers sometimes. Yeah. Students, uh, you need to be good at theory. Absolutely. To understand the number system. I, I honestly, I wouldn't be able to do, learn this many songs in a short period of time if I didn't have the theory knowledge that I have because yeah. otherwise, how do you give yourself cues to remember? And I've talked to like, I was talking to a, a drummer buddy recently who was like, he's learning a ton of songs for a cruise ship gig. And he'll like quickly learn a song or chart it really essentially. And then he'll go to a rehearsal and has no idea. He doesn't even remember even what the song sounds like. But he just trusts that he took a good took good notes. Yeah. And he counts in on counts in at the tempo that uh, he wrote down. Yeah. And when the band comes in, oh yeah, this song. And then he's like, oh, I wrote that I have to stop on this downbeat. He's like, I don't remember. I hope everyone else stops with me. Sure enough, you just have to trust. It. At some point when you're learning song after song after song, you just have to get really good at knowing what you need yes. to see in the moment to remember what to do. You are so right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and take, just go the extra mile when yes. you're making the chart. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. You'll be glad that you did. Exactly. And, yeah. and trust yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the uh, someone else messes up. They'll look at you and be glad that you were, had your stuff together. Yeah. And, totally. And you help everybody else uh-huh. out. Yeah. I, I do think that that falls on keyboard players a lot yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah. Just the nature of what we do, the fact that we are classically based a lot yes. of times, yeah. uh, tends to make us just a little bit more. <laughs> Some people say anal or whatever, but yeah. you know, or um, <laughs> what is the word I'm looking OCD. for? Neuro- neurotic. Neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, it's just, it's 88 keys and 10 fingers, man. It's a little overwhelming. Uh, (laughs) And it's a lot to, to, yeah, a whole lot of history when you play piano. Yeah, I don't don't mind being the the one that's got it together, maybe even too much. I'd rather that than feel lost up there. I hear you. That that would stress me out. Boy, that would, and I've been in positions where, where I didn't prepare, like, uh, or I didn't, didn't have an opportunity to prepare or because you know no one sent me the songs and I just hop up there and it is stressful especially when someone's looking at you like it's your turn to sh- time to shine and you're like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> yes yeah yeah that is very stressful yeah you kind of have you have once you have some of those experiences maybe even just one of those type of gigs where you're not prepared it's enough to, to keep you on your game absolutely for the next one right yeah bad experiences can linger yeah. Um, you mentioned, okay, so a long time ago, back maybe an hour ago, <laughs> you said you got pretty good at sight reading. Uh-huh. So, uh, and didn't really much ever care for, too much for practicing. Yeah. Uh, me too. Sadly. I can, <laughs> I can really yeah. relate to all yeah. that. Um, do you, did you work on classical repertoire when you were oh, a student? Yeah, when I was younger. Yeah. What's and actually, I, I started to accompany a lot. Yeah. Even in junior high school, I was at the point where I could, if it was a simple accompaniment, I yeah. could accompany instrumentalists at solo and ensemble contests and singers yeah. and right. Um, yeah, I I recently uh, pulled out some sheet music. I was like, boy, I'm not as good at this as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was that takes practice, and and I haven't been reading sheet music for a little while now. Right, as much. Right, it's kind of a, maybe a different part of the brain, even. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Yeah, uh, at one at some point. I started doing a lot of musical theater accompanying and got pretty good at like on the spot doing harmonic analysis mm-hmm, and yes. not necessarily playing all of the notes because some of them are condensed scores mm-hmm. for musical theater 
um, where it's just like you can't I can't play all those notes especially if I'm sight reading for an, an audition right. right and you just got really good if there's a guitar chords above that's really super helpful but sometimes there yes. are and you just gotta be like alright looks like a G chord there's other notes in there but at the core of it it's a G chord yeah just gotta it's some of these musical theater songs that are just breezing through quickly mm-hmm. like Sondheim and stuff like yes, that yes totally really, yeah. <laughs> really hard sight reading yes very challenging um that is a great skill. I'm so glad you bring that up. Um, that, you know, I find for classical players who switch over to commercial and like ch- chart reading um, and then switch back, there's some skill that has been gained that Absolutely. makes classical music easier and better. Uh-huh. It's but, that harmonic analysis, I think. Yeah. And then, and because that's what, that's what chord charting is. It's knowing the relationship from chord to chord um, because you're using scale numbers. And, and in college, if you go into, into classical music, you will be doing a lot of harmonic analysis and ear training and things like that. And it's yeah. basically Roman numerals yeah. that, that they use in classical right. um, musical theory, music theory. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely helpful in all aspects of music, having that theory, theory background. Right. Nashville's just more organic. It is, yeah. I think. Meaning it's just... A little bit closer to, I don't know how to put it, um, or it's more personal mm-hmm. or something. It's just a little bit more up close personal. The the thing that you learn from from players that don't read is is feel. Yes. And you can learn that in you know in jazz combo, and you you get good conductors in a s- symphony or or you know in choir that talk about feel a little bit more. But it's not quite the same for some reason as when you get into uh, hop up on a blues jam mm-hmm. and there's a guitar player that's just yeah. really vibing yeah. and the band's vibing with them. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Than all like everyone reading a crescendo on a piece of music, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> right. But I'm sure for orchestral players. Uh, that they they get the same you know feeling, mm-hmm. but uh, it's um, it's just it's more historical. Yeah, there's something about not reading it and not being directed by somebody, yeah. and just doing it strictly on feel because yeah. everyone else on that stage is feeling it with you mm-hmm. and just riding the wave almost. You know, there's something very different about that. Yes. So I, I, I really value both. Yeah, me too. You mentioned your writing. You write songs? Mm-hmm. Are you uh, doing your own? Like, do you Yeah, have... I've got one album out. It's called No Gavel, No Sword. And songs that I wrote in college are on there. Songs that I wrote just before recording, which I put it out in 2017. So songs, you know, probably ranging songs that I wrote in 2008 to 2016 around there okay and now it's anything that I record after this is probably going to be songs that I've just recently written right um, and now I'm just kind of doing singles I don't really have the desire to tackle a big project right now so if I I you know come up with a fund and actually my my parents are sponsoring a couple songs and helping me pay to record them which is Wonderful. the most supportive you could get I think absolutely um, and so I'll, I'll write a song, I'll find some place to record it, typically using my same friends and the same band that I use on stage to record okay. a version of it. And... Do 
you have a gig coming up of yeah. your own material? Tonight is... is Tonight? Yeah, I'm playing at um, uh, the True Music Room at the Cambria Hotel tonight. And then the next one that I have right now of original music isn't until April. But it's like the last Thursday of April I'm playing at the local with my band and doing original tunes. That This should air before that gig. Okay. So do you know the exact date? Yeah, let me look. Um, t- today is actually February 15th. So it, when this comes out, you will have already had the gig that you are doing tonight. It's like a Doctor Who episode or something. Yeah, April twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. April twenty <laughs> fifth. I'm playing with Mips. Um, February twenty fifth, the Basement East. We're doing a few George Harrison tunes at their George Harrison tribute night. Oh my gosh! And then we're oh doing no. a, we're doing an Elvis Costello. I, I want to hear. Are you out on February 25th? No, I'm, I, have to, I have a gig, I'm sure, uh, yeah. but I love George Harrison. That's going to be a fun night. It's like them vibes are, are doing some songs. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, there's a, a bunch of good acts on that, that night at Basement East. Dang, I might have to get a sub that night. I, I want to say it's it's a Monday night. Oh, I can come. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's coming up. February Not this, 25th? Yeah. Okay. I can actually do a Monday night. Yeah, it, and then, Woo! and then, and Mips typically because like, um, like Justin, the, a lot of these guys go out on weekends. Mm-hmm. I think most of us do. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Mips gigs are during the week in town. Right. Okay. The Queen one was just on Friday. Saturday. That one was was different. Yeah. An anomaly. Yeah. Um, because it was Queen. <laughs> right after Bohemian Rhapsody was getting so popular. Yeah, that was great timing. Um, so when you say go out, you mean like they're going out with artists yeah. and playing gigs. Yeah, Rob, Rob the drummer, is uh, teching for Ben, um, who's uh, Brad Paisley's drummer. Um, ben Gidry was out with Tracy Lawrence, and now he's out with, I think the guy's name's Kyle Daniel. No, Kyle. Justin Butler, the guitarist, yeah. Uh, yeah. goes out with Gretchen Wilson and okay. uh, other acts. Yeah, they're, they're all pretty busy, so... So you're you've made your way into a, a yeah. group of friends that are working and yes, you know. totally good group, good group of guys and uh, they work hard and have earned some good spots and some some nice gigs out of this town. It's good to be around um, people that are doing that, mm-hmm. so you can uh, just sort of learn from them and totally. soak it up. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I would I would imagine. Absolutely, yeah. It's in, yeah they they're inspiring to be. To be around because they work so hard. They val- and they love music. I mean, they w- we wouldn't be doing MIPS if you didn't because MIPS isn't a you know big money gig by any means. It's it's all about just honoring good records. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what Tripper says. Yeah, and um, that's that's the whole idea behind MIPS is he he finds songs records that he loves and we do our best to to respect it and and do it. Like like it was recorded. Yes. And he's opened my eyes to a lot of songs that I didn't know, or songs that I forgot that I loved, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. And uh, yeah, dissected songs that I n- never in a million years would have dug into if it weren't for for this gig. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same way with loud jams. Absolutely. How, maybe how you feel about that kind of Absolutely. soul vibes. Yes. Give yeah. you an opportunity to learn, dig into a song that. You otherwise might not have 
figuring out the, the keyboard parts too and all right. that. Yeah. Take a lot of the stuff for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just um, to sit down and just really pick something out and become intimately um, knowledgeable about it mm-hmm. is uh, it's a really cool part of the, our job. Yeah, it is. I think. Um, well, is there anything else you would like to say? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Well, one thing I thought about um, that when I was thinking about reflecting on my musical past was I just know there were so many nights in college or even like once I got to a point where I was doing a little bit of improvisation and got to a point where I could just go online and print off some sheet music and learn a song that music was such an outlet for me especially in my youth when I was trying to navigate a lot of emotions that I really appreciated being able to sit at a piano and vent and I think um, me too definitely I think uh, there are a lot of young people that don't have a way of getting these emotions out or dealing with these emotions or working through them and I think uh, we're very we we're very lucky still but we're very lucky as young people to be able to have an outlet for it and so if there are any young people out there listening like your students I uh, I say you know if you're ever f- feeling anything especially any dark emotions and you're sad or upset let music kind of be your guide um, to get some of those things out of you I totally agree it's um it's interesting I have a lot of musician friends who um, I think um, have become heroes in their lives mm-hmm. through using music as a tool for conquering um, totally um, weaknesses or um, you know just by learning the art of discipline mm-hmm. for, that's just on a really basic level but then going through a tragedy you know um, Beethoven certainly is a great model Absolutely. for yeah. <laughs> how to deal with that you know he's like the ultimate in that lost his hearing and mm-hmm. still composed um you know, the ode to joy. You bring up the word joyful yes, earlier. Yes. Um, and just known for overcoming this. So, I, yeah, I just, there's so many musicians, I think, who have used, who've learned to use it as a way to, what's the word, raise your vibe. Yeah. Um, tap into an energy that is mm-hmm. otherworldly and supernatural. And, Absolutely. And, um, and, but, but also just to celebrate humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's where, where dance music is so important. And, you know, pop music and spiritual music and there's so much I mean I I obviously really enjoy talking about the theory side of things and all of that but I just all I wanted to say was don't lose sight of why music is so powerful and uh, that's really why I love it and dig into it and it's just been uh, I've been so fortunate to have it in my life and be a, to have a, a, an outlet for all those and not just the negative things. Obviously, there's there's so much that you, like you said, celebrate through music as well. And and that's where playing weddings is so fun because you're helping create the happiest day of someone's life. You know, that's the yeah. the idea of you know. And there's and even playing piano bars like taking requests and you don't realize the importance of a song until you play it and someone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're playing this song. Thank you so much. Like those moments, yes. make it all worth it. Absolutely, um, man. What's what's the weirdest gig you ever played? Like the the strangest <laughs> place or event 
I was going through old photos recently and I saw a photo of me in college playing underneath a staircase in an apartment. Like, you can only see my hands coming out from behind the stairs and my microphone's going in there. There's like no room in this apartment. Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think. That's of, pretty weird. It's pretty weird. <laughs> but hey, you probably brought joy to some tenant at this. Oh, yeah. Or I probably annoyed other tenants, but it was a fun party, I'm sure. Um, no, I don't know if there's any other strange ones. When you brought up weddings, that's what made me think that, you know, I, I gotta ask, what's the weirdest gig you ever played? Sometimes weddings have been kind of strange for me. Um, yeah, they, private shows can get kind of <laughs> awkward at times. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're playing for a company parties and there's like the, like the, the one person that was hitting up the bar more than anybody else, <laughs> right. you know, like making it super uncomfortable for all the other guests. Right. And, and you're just trying to, like, uh, navigate this awkward situation from the stage. Yeah. I, one of the dumbest things I ever did, <laughs> I'm going to tell myself, you know, I was raised pretty, um, I don't know, just very naive about sure. um, just lots of things. And so I got hired to play a Jewish wedding, um, and I asked the rabbi if I could play Yesu Joy of Man's Desiring and he just like looked at me and shook his head and his eyes got like turned into little slits and he's just shaking his head no like very slowly and, <laughs> and I'm like oh, I'm so sorry did yeah. not mean to offend you no in kidding, any yeah. way uh, but yeah it's music is an education is, about yeah. different cultures and totally. different uh, situations and you, you yeah. know if you don't grow up in it you don't know it and just you just barrel through it yeah and try not to <laughs> do much damage no kidding yeah because you can offend people mm -hmm. um yeah especially like at the piano bar you're taking requests and like one person thinks this song is hilarious the other person thinks it's gross and obscene <laughs> you know right you can't please everybody all the time right but we try exactly yeah <laughs> well um I guess we'll bring this to a close. Yeah, uh, wow, you. it's just been great. This was fun visiting with you, learning about you. Um, and I should have asked you how to pronounce your name before I talked no, to you. No, it's perfectly all right. <laughs> Benon. Yeah. Avji. Yeah. Good job. Benon Avji. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all look for him in. Um, where? Tell everybody how to like look for your music. And okay. Stuff like that. Well, yeah. Do you sell it or? Yeah, yeah. It's on iTunes and Spotify. Benon. Um, no Gavin, No Swords, the first record, but I've got BenOnMusic.com. Um, B-E-N-O-N? B-E-N-A-N. Oh, sorry. B-E-N-A-N-M-U-S-I-C.com. That's right. And that's my Instagram, BenOnMusic. And uh, my Twitter, someone already had BenOnMusic. They don't They don't tweet. They've never tweeted. Ah. I'm the only follower of this person, and I've like <laughs> messaged them like, please let me have your Twitter handle. No response. <laughs> so I'm GentleBenOn, on, instead of GentleBen, GentleBen on, on Twitter. But other than that, my stuff's been on music, and then um, I just bought BenAPianoMan.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thinking I'd separate um, dueling, my dueling life and my original music life. Yeah. A little bit. Those two different uh, brands, I guess you <laughs> would say. It gets complicated, doesn't yeah. <laughs> it? But you need to pe for people to know that you could do that. Yeah, you yeah. Have to, yeah, promote yourself in uh -huh. that way. Yeah, it gets complicated. Yeah, it certainly can. <laughs> I may have just overcomplicated it, but <laughs> but definitely go check out BenOnMusic.com and find me on Facebook and Instagram. And I will include links uh, 
on the website. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's anything else you think of, you can let me know. Sure. I'll let, let everyone else know. But, thank you so yeah. much for having me. Yeah, thank this you was so for fun. being here. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking I one of the songs I used to play um, when uh, when I was sitting in, in, in college and trying to figure out cover songs was uh, Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. Oh, yeah. So give us, render us a version. <laughs> tried just doing a little improv around it but man when I was when I was just figuring it all out I'd take that song and let it last half an hour and yeah figure it all out I, I know what you mean yeah <laughs> yeah it's um and that is practice right you know? yeah it's but different it than feel yeah. like it does no it? exactly yeah. it's like you know what I, you just when you said that it just struck me that I just want to make a comment real quick on that um Teaching kids how to practice is yeah. a big part of my job as mm-hmm. a teacher, you know. Yeah. And and to learn how to love to practice, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely, how to yeah. um, get past the um, how do you inject yourself into it where mm-hmm. you're growing yourself mm-hmm. while you're practicing. Yeah. And I think you just hit on something real key. Play what you love. Yeah, and dig into it. Yes. Yeah. And then, Don't judge yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. It's important. Yeah. And it's not practice. Yeah. It's a. Well, it's different. It's it's a practice, not practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. not it's not like spot checking a one measure that you keep messing up. It's more mm-hmm. exploring what you can do and yeah, figuring out how to move around this instrument a little bit more. Right. Exactly. Ah. Well. Hmm. I'm I'm just gonna go have a great afternoon now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm inspired. I've got inspired to go play tonight, play some of my tunes. And, All right. Yeah, thank you. Post some video. I will, yeah. I, and I can't wait to share this. I with, can't either. Yeah, <laughs> this was fun. Ah, oh, so glad. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me.